what's coming up now on Established in the Faith. And if that minister does not address your problem of sin and point you to the brazen altar and point you to Calvary, point you to the cross, Jesus Christ and Him crucified, that minister is not of God, and you don't need to be sitting up under them listening to him. Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina, and how so very pleased and happy we are to be with you today. Got a great message lined up for you. Hope you can stay with us for the next 30 minutes. If not, let me encourage you to go over to establishedinthefaith.com. There you can listen to today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. Well, we're going to go on into the message now. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. God this morning. Second Chronicles chapter 31. Second Chronicles 31 verse 2. And Hezekiah appointed the courses of the priest and the Levites after their courses, every man according to his service. The priest and Levites for burnt offerings and for peace offerings to minister and to give thanks and to praise in the gates of the tents of the Lord. And I want to use for a subject this morning, preaching for just a few minutes, the ministry of the priests and Levites. Hezekiah was one of the godliest kings to ever sit upon the throne of Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel. When he came to the throne, he opened up the house of God, which had been closed for some 16 years under the administration of his father Ahaz. He reinstated the sacrificial system. He sent out letters to all of Israel, including the northern kingdom, which was outside of his jurisdiction. But he sent those letters out inviting all of Israel to come and celebrate the Passover, something which had not been done in some 260 years since the kingdom was divided. A few came when you look at the overall population of Israel. It was few in number, but it was still enough people to make up a large congregation, if you will, is what the Bible says. And the people came, and they celebrated the Passover, but they were ceremonially unclean. There was a certain protocol that the people were to go through. And it was obvious that these people had not participated in these rituals, and they were partaking of the Passover. And Hezekiah prayed for God to pardon the people for their ignorance. And he took advantage of the situation and had the Levites to teach the people the good knowledge of the Lord. The Passover lasted for one week, but they voted for it to go another week. And during this time, the Word of God was expounded upon. And as the people learned more and more about the Word of God, the Bible says that they confessed to the Lord. They repented 
that the more you learn about the Word of God, ladies and gentlemen, the more you're going to find that there are things that you need to repent over. He that has an ear, let him hear. Your Christian experience is not a thing where you go out here and live any old way, however you want to live, and then at night you lay down and ask God to forgive you. That's, that's, that's not right. God wants you to have victory. And God wants you to read His Word. And as you read His Word and you learn His Word, you learn that there are things that you're doing. God will expose things in your heart that's not right. And you go before the Lord and you repent of that. The Christian experience, when it comes to repentance, it's more than just a one-time situation where you come down in front of the church and you repent of your sin, but it is an ongoing lifestyle of repentance. And Israel now is enjoying, they are experiencing a revival. And oh, how the church needs revival today. How America needs revival today. But the depths of our revival will be according to the depths of our repentance. And understand that. Now, the Bible says that the people repented and they went out into the cities and they destroyed the images and the groves and the high places. These things that were built to false gods. That's revival. And the Bible says that Hezekiah, Second Chronicles 31 verse 2, he appointed the courses of the priest and the Levites after their courses. The work of the priest and Levites was never ending. It was an ongoing, something that had to be done all the time. There was always someone standing at the gate of the court of the temple, someone that had a need. And we're talking about night and day. There was always someone that had a need. And Hezekiah, he divided them all up into groups, into 24 courses. And each group, this group would work a little while, they would serve a little while, and then it would rotate to another group, and they would serve for a little while, and then it would rotate to another group for a little while, and so forth. This was done so that the priest and Levites would be renewed and refreshed because the work was constant, ongoing, never ending, never stopping. Does anybody in here know what I'm talking about today? There's something going on all the time. There's something that requires your attention all the time. On the job, you can't never get caught up. You, 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 you handle 25 emails, and time you get done with them, there's another 30 or 40 that have built up. Oh, some of you are shaking your head right now. You know what I'm talking about. And all the time, the telephone's ringing, and people are leaving messages and you got to get back to them and while you're getting back to them you got another 50 to 100 emails to have to deal with something going on all the time 
some of you farmers, you're out in the field working. You pull this weed up, and time you get to the end, another one's done sprouted up over here. There's something that requires your attention all the time. And Hezekiah divided up the priest into groups, into courses, so that the work, they wouldn't get tired of doing the same work. They would be refreshed and renewed so that the people could be ministered to in whatever the case. And the Bible says that every man ministered according to his service. Each priest, each Levite had a certain function within the temple grounds. And each one had to perform that function, and they all had to work together in order to get the work of God done. Today, let's bring it up to the New Testament. Today, Paul said in Ephesians 4 and verse 11, He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, that's for the maturing of the saints for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ today it takes all five ministries that God has given in his word you've got to have all five ministries speaking into your life in order for you to become the mature Christian that God wants you to be now let's look at this for a moment the prophet is a preacher of righteousness. The prophet knows and understands Bible prophecy and can expound upon end-time events. The prophet may or may not have the gift of prophecy. He may have that gift and be able to tell you what's coming around the corner that you can't see and can give forth a word of prophecy to warn you not to invest in that particular stock. Okay? There are those that God has given that gift to today. But here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, and the Bible warns us about false prophets. Anytime any man stands up, any minister stands up and says, so-and-so, and it goes against this Bible that I hold in my hands, they're not of God. And if they prophesy something and they tell you tomorrow at 11 o'clock, guys, is going up to $12 a gallon and it don't happen, they're a false prophet. You don't listen to them no more. They're not of God. Don't pay them any mind. All right? We have the evangelist. It is a person who is called of God. They have a special anointing upon their life to win the lost. Evangelist. Then we have the pastor. One whom God has called to be the overseer of the church and to guide the church in the right direction. You have the teacher. One who knows the word of God and can expound upon the Word of God and explain it to you to where you can understand it. But I want you to notice the apostle is listed first in this verse. The apostle, 
prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. The apostle is listed first. Now, there's some debate among denominations today as to what an apostle is. Some denominations recognize certain people as being apostles. I'm not going to argue with that. There are some denominations that say an actual apostle is one that actually saw the Lord Jesus Christ, which now that limits it right on down to the original 12, the apostle Paul and so forth. Well, Brother James, what do you think? I don't know. I'm I'm not going to debate and get into all of that, but I will say this. If the prophet, evangelist, pastor and teacher does not preach and teach what the apostles taught in the word of God they are not of God so you you've got to have the apostle prophet evangelist pastor and teacher speaking into your life in order for you to be the child of God you ought to be all of the priests and Levites they had their service Their God-called service, and sometimes they would switch their service. They would switch their function, and they were qualified. They were qualified to do the other one's job and so forth. As a pastor, I teach on prophecy every Wednesday night. So if you want to call me a prophet, I'm a prophet. Now, I don't have the gift of prophecy. I don't have that gift to tell you what's coming around the corner. Now, God may at some point in time give me that gift, but I have operated in that function. God has, at from times, allowed me to be an evangelist, to pray a sinner's prayer over radio. I don't know who out there got saved or if anybody got saved, but God put me in that position from time to time. I'm the pastor here at Friendship, and that's because y'all let me pastor. God help you. (laughs) I operate in the position of a teacher to teach the Word of God, expound upon the Word of God. And there were priests and Levites who were trained to do all of it, and sometimes they would switch. And today we have ministers that can work in all of that. And it's a calling. They ministered according to the needs of the people. Let me tell you this. The main need of the people was to get forgiveness for sin. And it is the same need that people have today. Many of the people, they were ignorant. They came to the gate of the court of the temple and they had no idea what they supposed to do but they knew they had sinned and they knew they needed to get that right with God. Who did they go to? They went to the priest. And if the person was poor and they were not able to afford a lamb, the priest would direct them to bring two turtle doves. Well, sometimes the person was so poor they couldn't afford 
two turtle doves. So then they were ordered by the priest to bring a handful of flour. And the priest knew the protocol. He knew what each situation recommended, and he directed the person in the direction that they ought to go. But let me say this. Every offering that was brought to the brazen altar, whether it was a lamb, whether it was two turtle doves, or whether it was a handful of flour, all of it was offered on that brazen altar. It typified Christ and what he would do for us at Calvary's cross. It was the answer for sin then. It is the answer for sin today. And I don't care who the minister is, if they do not address your need, if they ignore your need, if they ignore your problem, which is sin, for any reason, that minister is not of God. And if that minister does not address your problem of sin and point you to the brazen altar and point you to Calvary, point you to the cross, Jesus Christ and him crucified, that minister is not of God and you don't need to be sitting up under them listening to them. What are you saying, Brother James? The priest... And the Levite had a very important job and a position. And if it wasn't for that God-called position and training, nobody could get saved. Are you listening to me? See, that's what Paul said. How can they hear without a preacher? There's only one solution for sin. That's Jesus Christ. He is the only one that died on a cross and shed his blood that washes your sin and my sin away. It's precious blood. There's no other fountain that can do that. There's no other sacrifice that God will accept. There's no other sacrifice that's needed. Jesus paid it all at Calvary. Glory to God. Jesus, when he was on the banks of the Jordan River before he started his ministry, John the Baptist was baptizing people left and right. He was preparing the way for Christ. And he saw Jesus one day and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John 1 verse 29. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of of the world. That's what I point you to today. Now, there's some of you listening to me right now. Brother James, I got a problem in this area and I'd like to have some counseling. Well, that's fine. We'll sit down and we'll talk. But let me tell you what I'm going to tell you. The answer for which you seek is found in the cross.
the answer for which you seek is found only in the cross. What you need is to go before the throne of God and repent of your sin. What did you do? Was it right or wrong? What are you going to do about it? Go before God. Repent of your sin. And the Holy Spirit will come into your heart and life. And he'll change your situation. Glory to God. Oh, y'all didn't hear what I said. I said he can change your situation. The first miracle that Jesus performed, oddly enough, was turning the water into wine. Now, now, have you ever thought of that? I mean, if it was up to me, if I was Jesus, I'm not, as is obvious. He had a whole lot more hair than what I've got. <laughs> but if I was Jesus, my, I think my first miracle would have been to raise the dead. I mean, I'd have got somebody's attention just like, I mean... That's just me. And in my thinking, I'm thinking, you know, Jesus' first miracle. Turning the water into wine, really? Some of you Christians get all excited about that. Jesus turned the water into wine because you like to drink your Budweiser. And your Boone's Farm. And your Jack Daniels. Brother James, I just like to have a little bit of wine with my supper at night. Jesus turned the water into wine. Had Jesus turned that water into wine that was intoxicating or alcoholic in any nature, he would have sinned because he was going against the word of God and Jesus would have never been raised from the dead. It was not alcoholic in nature in no way, shape, form, or fashion. Understand that. It's translated into wine today. The King James translators translated it that day, but there was three or four different kinds of wine. There was the intoxicating kind that some of you imbibe in from time to time, or all the time. According to the Word of God, it should be none of the time. Whenever the Bible uses wine in a negative way, it's always talking about an intoxicating wine, strong drink. But wine can also be interpreted grape juice. It can be interpreted as jelly or jam. A fruit of the vine. Nothing wrong with grape juice. Matter of fact, Paul told Timothy to drink a little wine for your stomach's sake. It was not alcoholic in nature. Jesus turned the water into wine. What, what did that mean, Brother James? His first miracle, what, what did that mean? At that wedding, there were people there that wanted some grape juice. And they run out. And all they had was water. And when Jesus came on the scene, he changed their situation. 
Jesus' first miracle was a message to the world. I have come to change your situation. Glory to God. Do y'all feel that this morning? Glory to God. I feel that today. He has come to change your situation. I don't care who you are, and I don't care what your situation is. Jesus Christ has the power to change your situation if you'll believe him. Start believing God. Start believing God for that loved one. Start believing God for that husband that's full of false doctrine. Start lifting them up to God and praying for them and seeking God and ask God the Holy Ghost to get a hold of their heart. God, you've got to help me to share a word to get their attention. God, you've got to anoint me. That one on the job that's aggravating that wants to get up under my skin. God, you've got to help me have a little more grace to deal with that person to help that person to lead them to Christ glory to God Jesus Christ can change your situation oh hallelujah I had so much more planned in this message this morning but the Lord's took it in a little bit different direction today somebody needed this today Jesus Christ can change your situation come on back next week and we'll deal with this a little bit more today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252-299-4234. You can also go to establishedinthefaith.com. There you will find today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. But perhaps you need someone to just talk to or to just pray with you about something. Again, just give us a call at 252 252- Two nine nine four two three four. This program is an outreach ministry of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. As well, depends on the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you. To contact us or to contribute to this ministry, go to establishedinthefaith.com. Click on the Donate tab. It's easy and all donations are safe and secure through PayPal. You can also mail us at Established in the Faith, P.O. Box 601, Bailey, North Carolina, 27807. We look forward to hearing from you. Hello, I'm Haven. And I'm Juliana. And you've been listening to Established in the Faith with our dad, James Pierce. He's the pastor of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. That's right, girls. And every Sunday morning, we have Sunday school starting at 9 o'clock and worship service at 10, as well as Bible study and prayer meeting every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. All of these services are broadcast to the parking lot for those of you who wish to participate drive-in style. And the church is located at 744 Friendship Church Road in Middlesex, North Carolina, near the EMED community. On the website, if you click on the Contact Us tab, Google Maps will bring you right to us. We would love to have you, and we hope to see you there. And we hope today's program has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and God bless you.